Welcome to another episode of the Switchfoot Song Stories podcast, where every week we get a chance to talk about the best band in the world, one song at a time. My guest on the show this week is Mr. Paul Coleman. Paul has had a wonderful career in the music industry. You may know him from the Paul Coleman Trio. He also spent three years as a member of the Newsboys, another nice little band you may have heard of. And he's had a terrific solo career as well. Grammy-nominated artist, honestly one of my favorite artists over the years in the Christian music industry. He's toured all over the world, including some festivals and other events with Switchfoot, so we'll dig into that experience a little bit. And the song we'll be diving into today is The Day I Found God. Thanks for joining us, and now, our conversation with Paul Coleman. Coleman, it is great to see you and talk to you again. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, mate. How are you doing out there in wherever the heck you are again? <laughs> I'm doing Indiana, great. Indiana. Indiana. Yes, you got it. Indiana. That's yes. right. Yeah, Indiana. So the Australian accent already makes you sound cooler than me, so I'm going to have to let you go. Um, well, you see, that's, that might happen here, but not where I'm from. <laughs> where I'm from, you would be the exotic animal, and I would just be the everyday, average convict sounding guy. That's true. So I mean, it's all that's all relative, mate. You know, there might be yeah. people listening to this who are going, gosh, that guy's American accent is awesome. <laughs> well, you are cooler than me anyway, so it's okay. It's all good. Um, that's also not true. <laughs> well, um, again, thanks for being on. Uh, Paul, you've been yeah. doing uh, the music thing for a long time. I was, uh, I mentioned this to you last year or this past year that uh, mm. I was first introduced to you when I saw the Paul Coleman Trio open for Third Day when I was in high school. Yeah, um, I've followed your career ever since, and and today we're we're talking about Switchfoot, a band that we both love and respect. Um, but I also wanted to throw this out there that I find a lot of similarities in the you know the way John Foreman writes and the way that you write, which I hope you take as a major compliment. Are you um, serious? Like that's probably the best compliment I've ever yeah. had in my life. Yeah, I really do. I mean, I cheapest. Uh, <laughs> I personally, my personal taste, I really appreciate um, you know faith based music, but. It, a kind that is creative, artistic, uh, is not cliche, you know, songs right. about God, songs about life, songs that make you think. And, uh, yeah. know, I really, I really do mean that. And I think you've nailed that in your career. So it's, this is cool for me to be able to talk about my, my favorite lyricist of all time, John Foreman with mm. another one of my favorite lyricists on the show. So, wow. That is high praise comparing me to anything John Foreman has done or will do. Um, cause I agree with you. He's just incredible. Yeah. Um, my favorite, my favorite all time is, well, somewhere between Springsteen, Dylan, Bono. Um, but John Foreman, I think is right up there. Like, yeah, um, I, sure. I agree. I agree with you there. Yeah. I, I agree with you. And I've got a lot to say about that, but I'll let you keep talking for a bit because <laughs> uh, you're leading this thing. You know, in your career, you've been around Switchfoot a little bit. Do you remember, mm -hmm. uh, specific times? I did want to ask you, I was, kind of looking on Facebook and I saw something and I want to see yeah. if you remember the man hugger story from 2014. Do you remember that story? Man hugger? Yeah. No. What was that story? <laughs> so I saw again, it was many years ago, but I saw that, uh, you had posted that, that John text you because you hugged him in the middle of a song. 
And oh. uh, he, he said something like, what's up, man hugger, or something like that. I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> As in, like, I hugged him on stage. Well, he was doing one of his things through the crowd, and you were like, uh, oh, kind yeah, of, kind that's of backstage, right. you know, around like the sound equipment and stuff. And, and you gave that's him a big right. Hug. Now I remember yeah. that. Yeah, that yeah. was in Nashville. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I just squeezed him. <laughs> um, yeah, so when, um, when my band, the Paul Coleman Trio, when we first came to the States, um, I think we played a few festivals where Switchfoot were. I wasn't really aware of them. Like I saw um, the picture of their first record. I saw the album cover, but I never really listened to it. Um, I was touring California solo in the mid to late nineties. And that was when that record came out. And then there was a, a long break between that and the beautiful letdown. And that was kind of like that opened up the floodgates for them. And so they, they have, you know, I'd say, okay, let me think what, what's a fun story when, uh, when we first played with, no, Okay, there was a there was a festival, might still be happening. I'm not sure in Midland, Texas, called Rock the Desert, and I remember this really funny time where we were playing. Um, Switchfoot were closing uh, on the Friday night, I think, and we were playing just before them, which was a good slot because everyone was up there to watch them, and then didn't want to leave, you know, in case they lost their spot. Which means we got to <laughs> we got to try to win them over, which was very nice opening for a. a popular band is a wonderful thing because people just can't leave we, we did that once for pod and um the people thought we were lame but they couldn't leave so that was good <laughs> um but anyway this day rock the desert we saw as we were singing there was this big storm coming over we could see it coming towards us it was like it was like the end times it was it was amazing and as it as we finished it was kind of like close but you could feel the tension and the electricity in the air and the feeling, the smell of rain, but nothing had happened yet. And, uh, and so we left the stage and quickly got our stuff up there. And then because it was a festival, Switchfoot stuff was behind us, you know, and they just had to bring out pedal boards and guitars and a few things. So we drive off in the 15 passenger van. We were going to sign autographs and we we're like, heck no, you know, that tent's going to blow off. I'm not sure if the people are going to be alive. So we took off in the van <laughs> and went straight to the hotel, which was about 10 minutes away. And we were in the lobby and we, we just get into the lobby and suddenly the floodgates open up and it just this torrential storm. <laughs> and we don't know what happened, but all we know is that about four minutes later, Switchfoot were in the lobby with us. And, um, and we joked that we opened for them, you know, as the last band on earth before the second coming. <laughs> um, but I will say this, uh, in all my times hanging around the Switchfoot guys, and I've hung out with all of them, and I just chatted with John last week uh, via text, just letting him know how much I appreciate him and, and I was there for him, um, is that I have never met anyone who's more, what we say in Australia, fair income, like the real deal. Mm -hmm. Those guys are as sweet a people as you will ever meet in your life, and yet they don't lack confidence or whatever kind of level of confidence and maybe even cockiness you need to be to be in a band. And they are just the salt of the earth kind of guys. And they always have been. So every time I've called them, I, I only call people that I know who are, you know, in big bands and stuff or solo artists. I only ever call them for comps when it's like a really important thing, like whether it's someone, you know, who's battling something or whether it's someone who's like, you know, desperately poor and can't afford tickets or, you know, I don't just call up and try to hook up my friends. I really try to only call people 
you know, when it's something that I think is really worth the effort mm-hmm. and John and, um, Chad and, um, those guys are the guys I normally call, uh, reach out to. And they are always so, um, so kind. And they, I guess they realize that I'm not just trying to use them for something. They know that it's a purpose. Yeah. And you know, you have a, you have a currency as a performer where people think you're more than you are and you can spend that currency in any number of ways and you can spend it to take advantage of people or you can spend it, you know, you can use your powers for good. And I know those guys will always use whatever platform they have to make the world a better place and to make people in a better place than when they came across them. So, yeah, I've performed with them quite a bit, um, you know, in different countries, Australia and Europe and um, in, a, in, a, in America, I think in Canada, um, and just always found them the most gorgeous guys, um, just beautiful, beautiful souls. Um, but yes, I did, I did hang on to John rather heavily that day, I think. I might have, I might have hugged him for about eight seconds in the middle of a live concert. Yeah. I love it. Probably. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, the, this podcast, we're talking about specific songs, but I mean, just the, the guys in general, memories with them, um, experiences, it's it's amazing to me that it's just like this universal thing that fans or peers, bandmates, everyone yeah. has that to say about them, which is just awesome. So, yeah, it really, it really is true. And you know what? I will say this. In the genre of Christian music, I would kind of say that about pretty much everybody. Um, I really would. But the thing that I, the thing I guess being an Australian is that with, with the guys in Switchfoot, I would say this is true for other bands too, but I, I don't want to suddenly name a few because then the others might think, what about us? <laughs> but particularly with them, they're the kind of people that they can relate to any culture. Like I've seen them play in different countries and some people are really good at playing to religious people in America and they get that culture. They walk on stage. Isn't God good? Amen. You know, now, don't don't try that in the Czech Republic or Brisbane, Australia, because it won't work. But Switchfoot are one of those bands that they've got this universal appeal because in them is this universal ability to relate and to find the common ground and to not jump out there with their particular culture. But they let the songs lead and they, they let their joy and their passion and their excellence lead. And I don't ever see them trying to... Um, you know, be their own culture. I see them um, fitting into the culture they're around without being at all, you know, the negative side of chameleon or the negative side of pleasing. You know, they're just, bottom line is they're just good. They're just really, really, really good. And when you're just really good, you don't have to walk out on stage and and scream out religious platitudes to try to win people over. Mm Mm-hmm. You just play your songs and you're just good. And I think that's one of the great things about Switchwood is that often in the genre of American Christian music, in order to get played on the radio, you kind of have to land the plane theologically in your lyrics pretty much. And you have to land them on a Calvinist runway um, in an evangelical engine engine jet. Um, Otherwise, they pretty much won't play you. But there are certain bands that, overcame that just because they're so amazing and i think switchfoot is one of those yeah that they don't um they don't kind of close the deal on the lyrics there's a level of ambiguity and mystery 
and inference and they're all they're the lyrics and if, if he's your favorite lyricist then you would be like me in the fact that that's the lyrics that's the kind of lyrics that you really like the best yeah um sure. that that if you if you read the scriptures and then you read switchfoot lyrics you can pretty much get it right you, you kind of get it mm-hmm. but if you don't um it probably makes you intrigued rather than feeling like you're being belted over the head by a christian frying pan yeah you know um, and I think that's what has always appealed to me about John lyrics and and the, the guys. I mean, I'm sure they contribute it too, but I'm sure he does the lion's share of it. Is that you know, I started writing songs. I was inspired by the parables of Jesus, not the sermons of Billy Graham. Yeah. And so um, I joked once on on Christian radio I, that I made a big mistake doing that because if I hadn't have done that, I probably would have been played more on the radio. But if, you know, Jesus' stories even his best mates had trouble finding out what he was talking about because he's not a cheap date and you have to hang around with him to know what he's talking about. Um, whereas most, a lot of Christian music, you can pretty much know by 47 seconds in what they're talking about. So I personally love John's writing because for me, it's sort of like what I love. And that is that there's, there's so much room for interpretation and yet there's nothing wishy washy about it either. Yeah. Boy, I just spoke for a long time, didn't I? It's, It's good. It's good stuff. Yeah, yeah, but it was for a long time. <laughs> Didn't you come up uh, for breath? <laughs> I love it. I mean, you're 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 putting it so uh, eloquently of uh, just a lot of people and their their love for those guys and the way he writes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think one of the so I get to run the daily John Foreman Twitter account and have all these quotes that are just in my mind often. And and one thing he said was, "We're not we're not selling anything, but we're not hiding anything." Um, right. And that's just. It goes right in line with what you're talking about. Um, had this uh, kind of interesting question for you before we dive into the yeah. song of choice. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you were headlining a show, a mm. big show, maybe, uh, of course, some of the, the ones in the States I can think of, like the Ryman or Red Rocks or Madison yeah. Square Garden, yeah. one of those big shows, and you yeah. could bring Switchfoot, John Foreman up on stage with you for the yeah. encore and you've got two yeah. songs one of them is going to be john helping you sing one of yours that you've written yeah and yeah. one is going to be one of theirs what two songs are you performing <laughs> <laughs> wow well firstly that would be a very brave thing to do because um and also it'd be a good idea to do it at the end because anything after that would feel pretty anticlimactic i would say um the song that i would get him to do with me uh let me see um i i think it would be i think it would be a brand new song that i had written um called jesus in show business nice i think i would i think i would get him to sing that with me it's a pretty um it's a pretty bold song but it's also a confessional song so that would be the song that i would i I haven't i've only recorded a demo of that and so maybe down the track if that ever gets released you can refer back to this and um but it sort of says um the chorus says we took him down off we took him down off the cross and we put him up on the stage and we made people pay to hear us sing his name um (laughs) it's pretty harsh um but then at the end it says you know i put jesus in show business i said it was him but it was me on my mind um and so i i knelt at the cross and i burnt down the stage um and so it's kind of like that whole thing about it's very easy when you assign to a Christian music thing, it's very easy to walk out on stage and use that 
to win over the audience rather than your songs and your sound and to be subtle. It's very, very easy to walk out and just sort of say, hey, it's great to be here tonight. Isn't Jesus Lord? And everyone goes, yeah. And then suddenly they like you more, even though your songs might be average. It's very easy to do that. Um, and I will confess that I did that a few times before I threw up in my own mouth and stopped doing it. <laughs> so that would be the first song. And then um, I actually, I actually would, um, would see if we could sing um, the song together the day that I found God. I'd like to sing that with him because it's like, it's close to my favorite Switchfoot song. And I wouldn't want to do any of their massive hits because I wouldn't do them justice. Um, and this wouldn't be a good closing song in terms of vibe, but I think I would do this because I just, I just really, really, really love this song. And, but there's just so, there's so many to choose from. I mean, yeah. Um, what's yeah, that one? Uh, going to be going on for years because they got so many. It ha- and it's going to have to. Um, yeah, I think that's what I would do. I think I would say, let's, let's end on a chill and sing the day that I found God. I like it. And I'd probably try and do some harmony. Mm-hmm. And that happens to be the song that we're talking about today. It's a great segue there. Um, this well, is... un- unintentional. Right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, that, that is one question I was going to ask. Um, and so a little background from the song. Um, for those who don't know, this is from Switchfoot's 10th album, Where the Light Shines Through, which came out in yeah. 2016. Uh, really interesting song with some kind of unique sounds and instrumentation in it. Yeah. And, and my question, my next question was going to be that yeah. The fact that this this podcast is just getting started, we've only done a couple of songs. You've got yeah. hundreds of songs from the Switcher catalog, and you yeah. chose this one. So why? Yeah. Why was this song your choice? You kind of answered it, but no, that's okay. Um, I think it's a great representation of what uh, I like, and I think I think what you like um, of their of their lyrics, where it's just this beautiful combination of confession of poetry, um, of, of, of yearning and leaning towards faith. And I think it reminds me of a lot of the Psalms. And, you know, I think that, I think that a lot of religious people are just in love with the idea of certainty. Um, and the thing about it is that even faith is faith. And I think people just seem to express themselves with such astounding certainty about things that really aren't certain i mean they're 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 ideologies from particular readings of scripture um but you know holding your faith passionately and yet loosely i think is the posture that i've always aimed to have where i walk into a room and instead of feeling certain um if i have any certainty it would be in the faith that god knows more than i do and waiting on God to instruct what we should do um, in, in the same way as when Jesus of Nazareth was talking with Nicodemus and he said to him, you know, those who have been led by the spirit are born of God. Um, and, and he said, you know, it's like, the, it's like the wind, like nobody knows which way the wind is going to blow. And so it is with the spirit of God. So there's a level of, um, you know, unpredictability when it comes to the spirit of God. And so, but I can tell you right now, I have never met anyone more predictable than a Western evangelical Christian. I know exactly what they're going to say about a lot of things. Um, whereas Jesus of Nazareth, you know, you, he never repeated himself. And, and yet he always sort of said the same thing, but it was always different. And so 
one of the things I like about this song is that I feel like John is holding this faith as the most important thing in his life. And yet he's also embracing and allowing doubt. And there's so much humility in these lyrics and there's, there's none of that brandishing bold, um, what I would call empty certainty that a lot of people have. Um, they're afraid to let go of everything, but God himself. And so what I love about this, and you know what, what I'm going to do, if it's all right with you, is just read this like a poem. Yeah. I mean, you might edit it out. I don't know if I'd want to listen to myself read anything, but, <laughs> but anyway, here we go. Okay, so the day that I found God. The morning comes like an enemy soldier. I feel the weight across my shoulders. I feel the shadows getting colder, but that ain't you. This noose ain't getting any looser. I get so fearful about the future. I hear the shame of my accuser, but that ain't you. And I found strength, but it wasn't what I thought. And I found peace in the places I forgot. And I found riches ain't the things that I had bought. Yeah, I found out the day I lost myself was the day that I found God. It's just so good. Okay. Um, I get caught chasing my own illusions. And I get so lost in these confusions. I keep on looking for my own solutions. But that ain't you. That ain't you, no. And my enemies weren't the ones that I had fought. And my liberties weren't the freedoms I had sought. And what I learned weren't the lessons I'd been taught. I found out the day I lost myself was the day that I, lost, I found God. Where is God out in the darkness? Because the voices in my head ain't talking honest. Saying maybe he made us, then forgot us. But that ain't you. That ain't you, no. And all I know is that I still don't know a lot. I don't know how it ends. I'm in the middle of this plot. I found grace for the man that I'm not. Yeah, I found out the day I lost myself. Yep. I found out the day I lost myself. Yeah. I found out the day I lost myself was the day that I found God. I mean, that to me is like, that's as good as anything I've ever heard in my life. Like yeah. that's as good as anything, because like I said, there's just this beautiful frailty and yet this sort of smoldering passion and commitment there. Mm -hmm. um, and, and for so many of us to have the freedom to say, you know, strength wasn't actually what I thought. If you think about the time um, in the scriptures where Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, he said, Hey, if you want to save your life, you have to lose it. If you want to lose your life, you have to save it. His disciples are like, what are you talking about? So he goes, hey, I look over here. Come, come through this, this field. And they, they, every one of you, hey, guys, this is Paul Coleman paraphrase. Every one of you guys, grab, um, grab a seed of like, grab, grab the head of the corn. Grab it. Why do we have to do this? Dude, just do it. Judas, come back. What are you doing? No, no, no. The pub doesn't open till five. Come back. Thomas, it is corn. Stop doubting. Okay, everybody grab a head of this corn and just rub it in your fingers and just let it fall. I imagine this going on for a while. And then he says, you know, a seed of ground, a seed of, of grain must fall to the ground and die before it's raised up. He's talking about his own death. He's talking about this idea that you can't find life without death. He's talking about this mystery, this contradiction, this amazing journey of faith. And I feel like that's what John's talking about. I found strength, but it wasn't what I thought. I found peace. I found peace in the place I forgot. I found riches ain't the things that I bought. 
the day I lost myself. In other words, the day that I let go, the day that I let go of my own life is the day that I found God. Um, and I love the confessions. You know, I got, I got caught chasing my own illusions. Mm-hmm. Um, I got lost in these confusions. I, I kept on looking for my own solutions, but that isn't you. You know, this idea um, that a lot of Christians have pervaded to the world is this linear God who is predictable and boring and, and conservative. And yet the truth is that Jesus of Nazareth was the greatest radical that ever walked the face of the earth. I mean, he tore down these ideas. So I just loved, I love that representation. Um, and the voices, you know, I also relate with that bit where is where's God in the darkness? Cause the voices in my head, are they not talking honest? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I, that I think this triggers in me when I think about it is that for many years before I went to therapy, um, I believed every story that went through my head. I believed all these thoughts. So when this thought said, you're a piece of beep, I believed it. When, when, when I felt shame, when, when my wife would say to me, why didn't you unload the dishwasher? I heard the voice in my shame that says, you're a lousy husband. So I, re- I responded to that voice rather than her voice. Um, and I think one of the reasons why my wife eventually divorced me wasn't, it definitely wasn't that I touched anyone else or that I was, you know, an alcoholic or a drug addict or anything. It was just that, how do you live with someone who is just a sucker to the voices of toxic shame, self-hatred and self-loathing? You know, how can you, it's impossible. It's impossible when you're that person to love others because you, you just can't find any peace in yourself. And so when it says here, you know, where, where is God in the darkness? Cause the voices in my head aren't talking honest saying maybe he made us then forgot us but then the truth is you have to hang on to that truth that you believe and that is well that's not that's not who you are yeah and at, and at some point that's faith because you can't convince someone with a, a bunsen burner or a poem or any sort of magic display that there's a god you can't prove to them that jesus rose from the dead you can't you can't do anything like that you just have to live in a way that makes people go there's something there's something going on here there's something consistent here. There's some love here that I can't access. Um, and so, you know, when I hear those things in, in John's song, it resonates to me about the way that I see the world and the way that I see faith. And the, the opening line, the morning comes to me like an enemy soldier. I mean, gosh, I think I sometimes think that that in, in churches in the Western Western nations, I think that we're kind of like discouraged from being honest to say things like that because we're supposed to say, no, I'm living in victory. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. I'm a victor. I, I will never get sick. I will da, 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 da. And, and yet if you read the Psalms, like to me, that's the morning comes like an enemy soldier. I feel the weight across my shoulders. I feel the shadows getting colder. Like who can't relate with that? If you're actually honest, you know, um, this noose ain't getting any looser. I feel fearful about the future. I hear the shame of my accuser. Um, but in the, in the end, he finds strength in the weakness, not in the strength. Like I found strength, but it wasn't what I thought. In other words, you know, even the disciples, when Jesus was saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to, this is the Messiah. The reason why they didn't believe it was him was because he came in on a donkey. He didn't come in on a horse with a, a thousand soldiers and angels and kick the Romans out. His whole idea of defeating this thing was the complete opposite. 
of what anyone would have thought. I mean, look at the way that Jesus came into the world. He comes into the world. His birth is announced by guys from the East, probably Buddhists. I don't know. And then he gets these guys that sleep out with the sheep, these shepherds, third, you know, third shift workers. And then he's born. We call it a manger. That's BS. It was actually like a trough, you know, and then he's no room for him. And then he's born to the most persecuted race in history. And there's a question of whether he's actually a legitimate child. If we were writing this story, we would never have come out with this. Like everything, everything about, um, everything about this story of Jesus is so opposite. Um, and so when he says, you know, I found strength, in, but it wasn't what I thought. I found peace in the places I'd forgot. I found riches. They're not the things that I'd bought. Yeah, that's right. The day I lost myself, that was the day I found God. The, the day that I let go of all these things. I just realized I could talk about this song for a week and, and I probably shouldn't, but there's so much in here that just yeah. personally touches me um, in terms of the way I see the world. There's so much in this song that brings me to that same place where when someone boldly writes these things, it gives me courage to know I'm not the only one, but it also states, you know, that ain't you. In other words, okay, well then if that's, if that ain't you, what, what is he? Oh, now there's a great question, you know, yeah. start to look at that yourself. So John's not going to give you the answer, but he's gonna, he's going to put his gentle, but strong hands around your heart and whisper these truths of this song to you and encourage you to seek that, um, you know, and I, I don't know how it ends. I'm in the middle of this plot. Like he doesn't know everything. He's not some know-it-all Christian who's searching for certainty. You know, he's, he's saying, you know, it's caught up in this mystery of faith. Yeah. I found grace for the man that I'm not. Wow. Wow. Woo! I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, I love it. I love it. Yeah, this uh, this John kid has a future, I think, in in songwriting. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's incredible. I, I mean, just just with you reading it like a poem. I mean, it's like yeah, a lot yeah. of times on the show we'll we'll ask about what's your favorite lyric. I mean, this entire song mm -hmm. is just right packed, packed with great lyrics. Yeah, and um, I actually um I had in my notes as well that that this song reminds me of like a Psalm of David, as a lot of yeah. songs do. And yeah, it's it's always it's fascinating. I guess would be the word to me of, of how uh, a lot of people feel like, you know, you can't question God or you, you right. know, or it's a bad thing if you're a Christian and you have doubts or questions, but mm. I just want to say like, have you read the Psalms before? I mean, yeah. Uh, King David, who is a man, they, they called him a man after God's own heart, right. has all these questions, all these doubts, all these fears yeah. for the God that he loves and follows. And, you know, John uh, talks a lot about how, um, you know, he, he likes the Psalms as well and how, you know, David's got big questions for a big guy that can handle it. You know, he can totally handle it. And um, yeah. in this song, he, he asked that question, you know, where's God out in the darkness or a similar line in the bridge, uh, mm -hmm. vice versus that song. And uh, yeah, yeah. I wanted to read this to you real quick. This is, I'm going to read it in two parts though, because it's kind of one part lyric, one part, um, maybe musicality. Is that a right word? Okay. Musicality. <laughs> It's a good so, word. I like that. So John Foreman had had this to say about the song uh, back when it came out, uh, part one. He said that there is a rage that burns like a fire inside, like I'm fighting the fight of my life all on my own. And sometimes the walls are closing in and the pain takes over, free falling into bitterness, anger, cynicism, and doubt. 
like I'm bound to lose, like I've already lost. And in these dark moments, when I abandon the pretense, I shake my fist at the heavens and say, why? Why this tension? Why this life? Why? And wordless, I hear the answer, because I love you, because you're mine. And when I let go of the fight for me and mine, I begin to enter into a bigger story. When I come to the end of myself, I find that I'm standing on holy ground. Woof. Pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's really amazing. Yeah. I wish you'd said that first and I wouldn't have had to say all the rubbish that I said that wasn't even oh. close to as eloquent as that. You said you could talk for a week about one song and that's just yeah. the kind of band yeah. that these guys are. So I'm enjoying it. And um, I'll kind of get into part two here because he, he gets yeah. into something uh, musically. Um, okay. This one's a little different for them. I uh, hope you'll all go and listen to the song after the podcast. Um, some of the background of the instrumentation, if you don't know, um, I even remember the first time I listened to this song, it was a little bit, it was different. Some of the, yeah. um, some of the music, um, you may hear the song and even think that, you know, that, that tone sounded kind of weird or, or off or just, mm. just a little different, but it was actually intentional. And so here's what, uh, part two of what John Foreman said about the song, uh, the day I found God, he said, there is a, a tritone near the end of the song with a note called a flat five or an augmented fourth. Mm-hmm. It's been called the devil's interval mm-hmm. with rumors, however unfounded, that this interval was actually banned by the Catholic Church because it's so unsettling and so mysterious. We felt like this interval would be the perfect musical statement to end a song about the mystery himself. The music is meant to be a bit uncomfortable and disturbing. Mm-hmm. We wanted to echo the lyric of the song. I come face to face with a God who will not be defined. Uh, when I come to the end of myself in the broken and uncomfortable places, who are you, God? Tell them I am sent you. Mm. Yeah, I um, I studied music at University of Melbourne, and I did music theory. And yes, tritone. Um, it was banned um, it, because it wasn't one of the perfect intervals. So perfect fourth, perfect fifth, um, major sixth. But this was like the major seven and the tritone, flat five or sharp four. Um, it was what created tension. And so in the Mozart era, when and what we call classical music really was, um, it, it wasn't orchestral music because there was Baroque, there was you know, all sorts of stuff. Classical music was, you know, um, a particular period. And it was when um, those musicians were looking back to an area of ancient Greece where they were looking um, at the Acropolis, they were looking at mathematics, they were looking at philosophy, Aristotle, um, Aristoxenox, Socrates, Plato, and, and they were basing um, their music on the balance of nature. And they, they based like the first, the first section of, a, of a, a symphony was in sonata form, which is the same form as a Greek play. And so that idea of that perfect interval was the perfect fourth, the perfect fifth, um, so perfect fourth, da 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 da. Oh, that's a fifth. Um, oh, should old acquaintance should old. That's perfect fourth, da da. Perfect fifth is Superman, da 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 da. So the triton is da 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 da. It creates this tension, and and it was what they used um, in those pieces then to create discord. And often, actually, they called it the devil's interval because it was that triton, and they used it in those plays to say, hey, here comes something bad. And so when people hear it, there's a natural discord. And so I like the fact 
that what they put behind it was that tension um, because you can hear it and it's kind of cool. And I, I personally am okay with that because I'm not someone that needs a resolution. I, I could care less, but, um, it, but that's really cool. I love the fact that they did that because there is that sort of disturbing tension behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really sure, cool. Sure I like how intentional that. they are too. They're just incredibly uh, right. intentional about every, every lyric, every note. Um, which I yeah. love as well. I'd say here's a, I, I just remembered another story. Um, I remember uh, there's a, a festival, probably my favorite festival in the United States uh, is a festival in New Hampshire called Soul Fest. It could be my festival because it's the only one that invites me back every year. I don't know. But I think it's deeper than that. <laughs> but Switchwood's played there quite a few times. And I remember probably, geez, it might have been 10 years ago. I think it was, gosh, I don't know. It, let me see. Um, it might have been maybe, it might be like, um, might be 2010 or something. And I remember watching Switchfoot on the side of the stage and I went down to their dressing room afterwards and I just said, guys, I just want to say thank you. And they're like, sure, man. Well, you know, I said, no, I'd like to explain what I'm being thankful for. I said, you know, when I saw your band, I finally felt like I could give up because I'm never going to do it that good. You know, I'm never, I'm never going to um, do it. And I think what I set out to do was to do what you're doing, but I just didn't have the peace in my own life. I didn't have the songwriting ability. I just didn't have that. And for many years I was angry about that. And, and, and in the last couple of years, I've just come to terms that that really actually wasn't what I was supposed to do anyway, but I thought it was what I was supposed to do. But when I see you guys doing it, it just it just gave me such joy to let it go because I'm like, oh, it's already been done. It's Switchfoot. <laughs> I can give that up now. <laughs> and it was such a nice moment. And they probably thought I was stupid, but um, it meant something for me to say it, just to say, you know, just, just everything I ever wanted to do, you guys just do a lot better than I thought I could ever do it. And I, I think I'm supposed to do something else that, but it, this was so nice to be able to let go of this by watching you guys because you just can't you just can't fault it like you stand back there in front of house and you're like oh you know what about the guitar no the guitar's amazing what about the drums no the drums are perfect what about the bass bass is amazing what about the keyboards keyboards amazing what about the songs songs are amazing what about the singing singing is amazing what about the backing vocals backing vocals are amazing what about the production then production's amazing how about the front of house front of house is amazing it's like there's just it's game over it's done you know it's over it's just done and um and i just i'm so happy about that and yet i don't really put them on a pedestal in a way it sounds like i am i think i think i'm just really free to appreciate how good that is and i am not supposed to be the singer of a band you know that's i don't think that was what my whole job is in life and so i don't feel like i'm comparing myself anymore i was for a while with all sorts of people so I'm actually just feel free to just go, that is just freaking great. Like that is just great. Matter of fact, when you asked me to do this podcast and I focused on this song, I thought that's it. I'm adding this to my repertoire. Yeah. So what I'll do is I might even try and record it at some point and I'll send you a version of it. I'll try and make it different enough that I won't make any comparisons because that would be unfair on me. Um, I'll try to, I'll try to do something different with it. Can't wait for that. That'll be that'll be great. I'll give you uh, I'll give you two days. Can it come out by? Uh, <laughs> well, I'm moving out of my house in two days, so that could be tough. 
<laughs> well, I will look forward to that for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've, we can, uh, again, we can talk for forever about it, but, uh, I guess, um, as I'm kind of looking at the lyrics as well, I like how you mentioned as you read it there that, uh, the times where they said that ain't you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I was reminded how the album where the light shines through, um, for whatever reason, they use the word ain't, I believe it was 38 different times, which is oh, wow. not a bad thing. Just an observation because I, I love, I mean, obviously how they're using it in this particular song is incredible. It's like, Hey, this is happening. I hear this, but that ain't you. And over and over, um, yeah. they recall from the same album, one of the best, of course, that'll be a different episode, but the, uh, won't let you go song, the, the bridge in that song you know, there ain't no darkness strong enough, like just phenomenal. Uh, one of my favorite live moments ever, um, using that word. So just that observation, but I, I love how they used it throughout the album. And, uh, you know, just, again, he's given these scenarios and then he admits that's not God. You know, you, when you feel darkness, when you feel, uh, yeah. the shame of your accuser, which I think for me is probably the, my favorite lyric. Uh, I've been reading it's a, a good one in it. Yeah. Been reading a bunch of books this past year to just, talk about how the, the lies of the thoughts. And as you were mentioning too, um, from your, your own example of how, uh, just that, you know, the things that we believe and even the, the things that we tell ourselves, um, mm. often get in the way. So, but I think for me too, it's this idea of, of finding God every day, you know, uh, and you've said it before. I think you have a, a song on the demo that's about, you know, how the gospel isn't just a story. It's a person, you know, Jesus himself and want to pursue him daily and, yeah, not a popular idea, but yeah. So that hey, one other thought that I wanted to say too that you yeah, mentioned that made me think of something, and that was when you talked about King David and the Psalms, um, and I, it's something that I've never actually thought before, but I just thought it when you said something. You know the song "Hallelujah" um, yeah. by Leonard Cohen. Like I think that song proves that everybody is interested in this conversation. But that song allows you to come into the conversation. A lot of Christian music doesn't really allow, it's either says I don't, but it doesn't sort of welcome you in conversation. So it's like, I think this is a similar song, but it's like, how many people have covered that song, Hallelujah? And it's actually about King David. Yeah. You know, it's actually about King David. So I think when you, when you, when you approach faith through your art, in a way that you show yourself to be a seeker, you show yourself to be someone that doesn't have all the answers, and yet you show yourself someone that is is willing to offer something with an open hand and saying, "I, you know, I don't, I'm that that ain't you," and yet you're not saying it with this level of saccharine certainty. Um, but I think people are open to it, and I think a lot of times religious people turn there and I say, oh, that person's not open to God. It's actually they're not open to you because you're being an a-hole. That's the reason why they're not open to God. It's not It's not that because there's so much proof. I still haven't found what I'm looking for when love comes to town. Like these are gospel songs, you know, hallelujah. I heard, you know, like <laughs> it's, it's actually, it's expressing that this journey of faith is not all, you know, pony rides in the sunshine. Like there are valleys. There are times when you're being beaten up by your accuser and you have to hang on to those words. I, 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 that ain't you. 
that's not, you know, that's not, that's surely that's not who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that therefore songwriters like, like John Foreman will, um, will have a massive impact because even though he doesn't close the deal in some ways, I think he does the job of a songwriter. And I think the job of a songwriter is to write something that opens up the human heart and lets God's Holy spirit do the work. I don't think our job is to close the deal. I think all you do when you do that is you just create more fans from the saints who are already on the team. Yeah. I don't think you actually break down any walls. And so John and all of those guys are some of my heroes um, simply because I feel like they have restrained themselves from trying to land the plane. And then they've said they've, they've chosen to say uh, it's God's job to land that plane. But what they have done is done it with so much excellence and so much consistency and so much passion and so much beauty um, and the quality of their relationships and who they are as people. Um, that's why I'll always be a massive Switchfoot fan. Um, I'm a fan of their art and I'm a fan of them. Um, and I think this song is as good as anything really out there in that I've ever heard. Um, so, yeah, I just... I think that Kim David thing's a big deal with this. I really do. And I think you're right. Like it really is. It is like the Psalms. Yeah. One of the many reasons I love them. And I think I have a newfound appreciation just for the song, uh, you know, just through this conversation. So oh, that's good. Really appreciate it. Um, I want to share a clip from John himself. It's only about a minute long, but he was interviewed on a show called More Than the Music by Justin okay. Paul on YouTube. Uh, uh-huh. This album came out uh, about six years ago. So here is what john had to say one time nice nice i found god yeah that song in particular for me is a moment where we are fighting for things on this planet where you might be fighting for money you might be fighting for a position in the company you might be fighting for a new car you know everyone's got their own struggle but i think that for me i find that i'm often fighting for the wrong things Mm. and you know you've got our warfare on this planet is not about the flesh and blood that we're encountering. You know, we've got the wrong enemies a lot of times and the inner struggle is often neglected while we fight these trivial little battles on the outside and we're missing the point. We're missing the whole reality of our existence on the planet when mm-hmm. we're, when we're chasing after the monetary success or something like that. You know, the gospel is filled with these, obvious truths that are right in front of you, you know, and and it sounds obvious. Yeah. You lose yourself and, and you gain God. That sounds like a really good deal. But try to do that. Yeah. And then try to die to yourself every day, every day. It's it's a little trickier. Great stuff as always from John. That's very cool. Very cool indeed. Yeah. So before we let you go, any other thoughts about this song, this band, this life, life advice from Paul Coleman? I would pay money for that. <laughs> You'd be in a small group. Um, life advice, thoughts, ending this. I would say go see Switchfoot. Um, you know, I am somebody that believes that there is a God that made all this stuff. I do actually believe that Jesus of Nazareth is who he said he is and was. Um, and yet, at the same time, I think that there's been a lot of misinformation and a lot of misguided 
ideas that have been brought around God. And I think that, um, I think if we like John Foreman and the other guys in Switchwood, if we present ourselves as seekers and as pilgrims on that road, willing to, you know, willing to say things like I, I, I thought strength was this, but it's not, or I, I, I forgot that peace was in this other place or that, you know, riches are not the things that I bought. Uh, if we're, if we're willing to give those confessions and make ourselves um, not on some lofty tower of a church steeple and yet offering out through great art that has been really worked on and really honed and in a real place of excellence. If we're able to offer this sense of a journey of faith, I think we're going to be a great encouragement to people. I think that people have gotten to the point where they're just not willing to even tolerate religious BS anymore. They're just so angry and so against it. And I know that I have friends who feel like that's a great tragedy and I couldn't disagree more. <laughs> I think it's wonderful. I, I welcome it. And I say, dude, you should be angry at that. It's complete crap. Having said that, I can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I, I can't resist the idea of this loving God expressed through, express through the person of Jesus of Nazareth. I've never found anything more compelling. And yet I also am not someone that's going to stand up and say, I have the answer. I'll say, I think he's the answer. Or yeah. I don't have any food for you, but I know who does. Like, I'm not that person. So I stand with John and the guys and probably you too are in that stance. And that's why I think this song and this band and this conversation touches my heart because it, 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 it fans into flame all that stuff and gives me more encouragement to keep pursuing that and to keep looking for words and ideas that would express that idea. Um, and so that's why I'm so glad to be in this conversation with you. And so for you to put me in anywhere close to as a lyricist, any of this stuff, that's a, that's a tremendous compliment. And one I actually really, really appreciate. Um, uh, not sure I agree completely, but appreciate for sure. <laughs> so thanks, buddy. You're a good man. And you know what? I will say to this, anyone in Indiana, and I said this to you when we were hanging out last year or this year, whenever the heck it was, um, that Indiana came onto my map through John Mellencamp through, uh, and, I love Indiana, even though it's not just Indianans or whatever they're called that are going to hear this, but I do, I do love the people of your state. I wonder how Bob Dylan would sing that. And I found strength when it wasn't what I thought. And I found peace in the places I forgot. And I found riches, ain't the riches I had born. Yeah, I found out the day I lost myself, the day I found God. Imagine that. That'd be good. Maybe I should do a Dylan cover or maybe not. Let's do switchfoot covers, but in the the voices of other people. Dylan Foot, yeah, okay. Um, I reckon that's an idea that probably shouldn't last, but I like. <laughs>